Have you ever secretly, or perhaps not so secretly, wondered if you're doing this whole womanhood thing right? Are you tired of the secular rhetoric that tries to tell you how you should act and who you should be? And are you wondering what the Catholic Church really teaches about femininity, but maybe also a little worried about diving deeper into what the Catholic Church says about that because you're afraid that you won't measure up? Hey there, welcome to Letters to Women. It's a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius, this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like in our daily lives. This is not a podcast where I sit down and tell you about the one perfect or right way to be a Catholic woman living in today's world. Instead, it's about a journey of discovering the unique ways that God has gifted each and every one of us in the feminine genius. My name's Chloe Langer, and I'm a Catholic wife and mom living in Kansas City. I record these conversations during my toddler's nap times and bedtimes, and so today you're going to hear our dishwasher running in the background. The white noise going on in the girls' room is definitely the background noise to this episode. And kid you not, as soon as I clicked record on this introduction, our neighbors started mowing their lawn. But you know what? It's it's normal, and it's in these normal everyday moments that I've seen the feminine genius at work. And so I'm excited to explore it with you today. Weed whacker noises and all. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Lisa Cotter. You may know her from talks that she's given at Steubenville's, NCYC's, or SEEK conferences. And she's also the author of a brand new book called Reveal the Gift, Living the Feminine Genius. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the feminine genius today in our conversation, which is one of our mutual favorite topics. And we're talking about what the feminine genius is, where the idea that there are these four main aspects of the feminine genius, where that idea comes from, and why it actually falls short when it comes to the beautifully diverse ways that the feminine genius can be lived out, and how we can strive for human virtue in a particularly feminine way. If there was a video of this podcast episode, you would mainly just see me nodding along and mouthing the word yes for 30 straight minutes while I listen to Lisa's thoughts on Catholic femininity, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. So if you're ready to explore what it means to be an authentic woman and discover how to be an authentic woman, sister, this letter's for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by The Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, Erica, the owner, curates unique and gorgeous Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It is so much fun to be a subscriber, and it's also a blessing to artists and creators and small businesses whose items are featured. They only offer a limited number of new subscriptions each quarter, and the current sign-up window closes at the end of June. That's only a couple weeks away. And listeners of this podcast will get an exclusive bonus by visiting the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters. This month, if you sign up for a new subscription by visiting the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters, you're also going to be getting a free bonus bundle in addition to your first box in early August. So be sure to check out the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters each month for a new bonus for Letters to Women listeners. Now let's dive into this conversation with Lisa. Today, I'm welcoming Lisa Cotter to the show. Lisa is a leading Catholic speaker and author known for her practical insights on relationships, femininity, and living life with excellence. She's served with Focus Missionaries for more than 10 years, created and hosted the popular How to Catholic podcast, authored Dating Detox, and has traveled widely as a presenter at SEEK, Steubenville Conferences, and the National Catholic Youth Conference. Lisa lives in Denver with her husband, Kevin, and their four children. Lisa, welcome to Letters to Women. It's such an honor to host you. 
Oh, it's such a delight to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about your brand new book, which is on one of our mutual favorite topics, The Feminine Genius. And we're diving into what that phrase really means and unpacking the gifts that the Lord gives us as women when we do live out our feminine genius. But to start us off, Lisa, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Oh, gosh. Well, let's see. I was raised in the church, kindergarten all the way through grad school, have gone through Catholic education. Um, It's all I know. And, you know, we lived in a typical Catholic home, did a lot of the typical Catholic things. But I wouldn't say that our family was like a total on fire. Everything we did, you know, just pointed towards Catholicism. Um, You know, we were cultural, but like plus cultural plus if that makes sense (laughs) like a little more than the average but not like at the top of the list in terms of how we lived out our faith and so it was really in college that I really got into my faith I went to Benedictine College in Atchison Kansas and there I really solidified I had my conversion towards the end of high school but it was in college that it was like oh we're gonna do this this is what we're gonna do for life just being surrounded by community such an amazing faith community taking so many classes I was a youth ministry and what they called at the time religious studies major, uh, which is really just a theology major, got married straight out of college, got pregnant right after, and I've just been living a life of missionary activity ever since. My husband and I were in focus, as you said, and now he works for the Hallow app, which is fantastic and such a blessing. And, you know, I never really imagined that God would take my life in the direction that he has. I really thought, okay, I'm getting married at 21. So I'm going to have like 10 babies and stay home. It's going to be awesome. And then God has given us four, even though we've always been open. Um, he's given us four and he's opened some doors to do some speaking and writing things that, like I said, I just never thought this was what God was going to call me to or ask of me. But being in focus, it just made some amazing connections in those early stages of focus too. And they really needed people to step up and take on, you know, leadership positions and roles on stages and things that just kind of viraled, I guess. It started this snowball that introduced me into this world and just trying to say yes, uh, but also trying to take naps. And so, you know... (laughs) Whatever the Lord wants is really where we're at right now, taking each season as it comes. There you go. Yes. Naps are important. I love to looking at the story that you shared, how the Lord calls our marriages to be fruitful in ways that we don't expect. Like you were sharing, it doesn't, it doesn't look like maybe what you'd expected at the beginning, but these different ways that he's invited you to ministry work and to sharing your story and and the different fruit that that bears different than biological kids, but that, that spiritual maternity is still present. Amen to that. That is a great way of putting it. Yes. And I always tell people, they're like, how do you do it? And I'm like, because God only gives me a child every five years. I, I could not do what I'm doing if he called me to a different way of living out my motherhood. And so, you know, you just take it You're like, okay, Lord, it's your life. It's your, the author of it. So we'll just roll with it. You recently wrote this new book called Reveal the Gift, Living the Feminine Genius, and it's published by Ascension Press. And it's fantastic. I would love to hear more about what inspired you to write this book and what readers are going to find when they crack open that cover. Yes, I 10 so years ago, about 10 years ago, was invited by Focus to give a talk at the SEEK conference. I had spoken at SEEK before a couple of times giving breakout sessions. This was in the early days when they were begging staff to submit proposals and giving us $35 thank you cards, right? (laughs) Thank you for speaking to all the men at Seek. You get this, you know, and you'd blow it all at one dinner because, you know, conference centers are so expensive, but still worth it, always worth it. And so I had been speaking at 
these conferences just doing breakout sessions and they approached me and they said, we're going to do this new thing next year at Seek where we're going to have these women's sessions and men's sessions where all the women gather and all the men gather at the same time. And we would like you to give a talk on authentic femininity. Can you do that? And I was like, whoa, what? You want me to explain to women how to be women? I have no idea how to answer that question. And I remember feeling like overwhelmed with the idea, but saying, okay, Lord, if you're going to ask, I will, I will pause and pray. Cause this was not an opportunity I was seeking out, right? <laughs> Never thought that opportunity would come. So I stopped, I prayed about it. And a couple of things came to mind. One was, okay, Lisa, there's a few things you're going to be for the rest of your life. And one of those is a woman. So if you're going to spend time trying to figure out what this life means, trying to understand your femininity, probably worth your time. And then the second thought that came to my mind was, okay, so you don't really feel like you're very good at being a woman according to the standards that you have created in your mind. And according to the definition of what you think a woman should be in your mind. But do you actually know what the church teaches, Lisa? And the answer was no, because I was afraid of what the church taught. I was afraid that what they were going to tell me is that I had to fit into this tight, neat little box where I had all of the right things ticked. And if something was missing, then I was doing it wrong and I was failing. And I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to know that. So I was like, well, if I just don't dive into the topic, then I won't have to be disappointed in myself. But I really felt called like, yeah, the Lord wanted me to do this. So I said yes. And I started diving into the writings of Pope St. John Paul II, looking at the scriptures. What, is, what do scriptures say about womanhood? And I actually was able to sigh a huge sigh of relief because these things that I had painted in my mind of what I thought the church said about femininity were not fully accurate. There were a lot of times stereotypes or cultural things that I had seen presented to me, but it wasn't until I sat down and read the works myself, dived into the documents myself and wrestled with and talked with people, people way smarter than me, right? Professors, all these kinds of things that I realized, oh, okay, it's okay. I can calm down. <laughs> the church has beautiful things to say about my femininity. That's so true. I remember revisiting John Paul II's letter to women that I had initially read with my mom in eighth grade while we were prepping for confirmation and I revisited it in my early 20s and I just remember thinking this isn't a box I have to stuff myself into that there is so much freedom here and really dismantling a lot of those shoulds those internal and external expectations that I had thought were definitely what the church was calling me to and that had the church had never called women to that uh, to those expectations that I'd had in my mind yeah and I don't think we're alone in that I think a lot of women feel that way and that was a huge part of why I wanted to write this book I wanted to address those things that I found I wanted to give women that freedom and I wanted to put it in a way that was super accessible because I think sometimes when we talk about the feminine genius or Catholic femininity, we get into the philosophical and theological side of it. And not everybody has a degree in theology and philosophy and they get a little lost and frustrated. Or on the other side is we only talk about it in terms of just the practical, which is amazing and so good and so necessary. And I think it helps us to see life lived out in reality. But I wanted to like bring the two together in this book. Like that's what I felt called to do, right? Was kind of make it like, okay, let's make the philosophy and theology accessible. And then let's give real life examples to bring that alive and not overwhelm a woman or make her feel like this is just like so heady that it doesn't relate to me and doesn't really like, I don't know, like who cares, <laughs> you know? <laughs> when I first heard the phrase feminine genius, I thought, I think one of my initial thoughts was that would look, that would look cute embroidered on a pillow. 
tossed on a couch. That's a fun phrase to hand letter in calligraphy, but what does it what does it actually mean? And you point this out in the book, and I just felt myself I was nodding along while reading this section that John Paul II never really gives a clear definition of the feminine genius, which drove me crazy when talking about this subject because I want that definition. And you share how you had a similar experience, but you also shared a definition of the feminine genius by Sister Prudence Allen. And reading this in your book was the first time that I have seen this definition. And I was wondering if you could share what her definition of the feminine genius is, and then maybe a little bit about what struck you while you were reading her thoughts on the feminine genius. Yes. Oh, yes, (laughs) I know. Like a good philosopher, JP2 just danced around it and left us to philosophize right yes I know I, I yeah I agree it, it is a little bit frustrating and it's hard too because I think that the church has talked about it but they haven't put it like in a practical no pope no you know what I mean like and I think what we have to understand is like this isn't dogma and I think sometimes we want everything in the church to be dogma black and white this is the answer there's no other way to talk about it but the, the church is never going to take this to a council we're not going to get a definition of this from the church that from the pope speaking infallibly or something because it's just not necessary it's not dogma and so what I love about Sister Prince Allen is that she has given her life to studying gender. And she has this concept of woman. It's a three-volume series. It's thousands of pages. It's over 2,000 pages where she looks at the concept of woman. And you get to page, like, 1,950. <laughs> and then she finally gets to the feminine genius in John Paul II. So here's how she defines it. She says, the phrase genius of woman refers to a way of being, acting, and loving in the world, which manifests a unique creativity in human relationships. Okay, so let me pause there, right? So so basically, here's here's how I, I look at it from looking at what she was talking about, because there was a lot of confusion for me, even on the topic of feminine genius, in looking at the, the thoughts of others and trying to understand it. Because I, well, first of all, when I first heard feminine genius, I was like, oh, so the Pope's trying to like placate us and make us feel good about the fact that we're just the inferior women. No, you're the special women, right? <laughs> and I was like, don't do that. I'm not five. Like, don't tell me I'm special. But genius, we have to understand not as intelligence, which is, you know, what Sister Prince Alan is saying here. She's saying, no, it's a way of being, acting, and loving in the world, right? So it's not about, like, who we are. It's about what we give to the world. It's very like Edith Stein in this. The world doesn't need what women have. It needs who women are. It's who we are. And so we have to look at this concept of genius as our nature, which isn't a very popular thing to talk about. The fact that there's a genius, a nature to woman, that there's a way in which woman has been created, something unique about her gender that is universal to all women. But I think that's what John Paul II is getting at in all of my studying and all of my trying to understand. And I think where we sometimes, where I was getting confused at least, is sometimes we talk about the feminine genius as like our gifts as women, which is not wrong. There are gifts attached to the feminine genius, but they flow. These are gifts that flow from our feminine nature. So it's not the gifts that's our genius. Here's how I'm understanding it, right? Again, John Paul didn't define it, so this is up for debate. (laughs) I don't think it's necessarily um, our feminine genes is not our gifts, but it's our nature and what flows from our nature are certain gifts, and that's what he goes after. So that's that's kind of the way I see it when she talks about, right, it's a way of being, acting, and loving in the world, which manifests a unique creativity in human relationships. So it's not about how smart we are, although women are very smart. It's not about um, our unique skills as women. No, it's about the way that we uniquely relate to humanity. So the way I kind of sum it up would be like the feminine genius is our person-oriented nature or our person-oriented disposition 
as women and from that flow gift. So one more thing I want to say, Chloe, what really confused me on this topic, what really confused me was I kept seeing differing ideas of like what these gifts were, our yep. feminine gifts. And there was a popular one that kept popping up, like these four aspects to the feminine genius. And I was like, I'm so confused. They're saying four aspects here, but then I'm seeing this up, you know, philosophical writer who's talking about these words that are put together that I can't comprehend. I'm like, what do you mean when you say these things, right? Yeah. Like, and so I was, I was having a really hard time. And so I went to the source as much as I could. And I found there was an article that had been written for Catholic Answers in like the early 90s, yeah. right? Yep. And in this article, this woman talked about these four aspects of the feminine genius. And so I reached out to her because I was like, oh, oh, where'd she get these from? <laughs> I tweeted her, Chloe, she literally was like, I don't know where I got those from. <laughs> I'm like, no, you can't say that. Think about it harder. <laughs> She's like, either it was my summation or maybe somebody else's. I don't really know. So it was just oh like, that gosh. was the article of the week for her. But when you Google what is the feminine genius for a long time, and possibly still, it's the first thing that yeah. comes up. Yep. And so everybody was like, gospel, truth, doctrine. I'm like, no, no, no. That's not how we work. So it's not like it's wrong to talk about it in that way. It's not It's not wrong to say that like these gifts are part of the feminine user flow from our feminine nature. It's not wrong, but it's not it's not the full picture, right? There's more than four aspects. There's more than four gifts. And that was part of what I was struggling with. I was like, so I'm just these four things? Well, what if I don't identify with these? Or what if I have struggles with these? And what am I supposed to do? And so for me, it was actually freeing for her to be like, no, John Paul II never said that. Now, because I thought JP2 somewhere wrote the four aspects of the feminine genius are these. No, he didn't. He didn't write there are four, eight, 10, 20. He didn't write any of that. Those are our own distillations. So I want to make it clear in the book, I talk about eight gifts that flow from the feminine genius, right? Yes. But those aren't the eight exclusive gifts. There are more than eight gifts. There are, who knows? I mean, there's not a number to it. We can't put a number to it. Um, but there are certain gifts that John Paul II spoke of frequently when he talked about women. And those gifts flow from our nature, right? They flow from who we have been created to be and they're natural or what we call, what Benedict XVI would call, we are the privileged sign of these gifts because of our nature and how we were created. Like we are the ones who get to exemplify these things in the world and put them out there for the men in our lives who are also called to these gifts. That was the other thing that drove me crazy, okay? Yeah, I was like, so men are... So that means I'm not a giver. I'm just a receiver. That was my theology of the body understanding for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's no fun. Like, how come, you know, (laughs) then I came to realize like, oh, no, like Benedict clearly talks about how like, no, 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 these are above all human values. Like we are all called to these things. It's the way we express them in our masculine and our feminine forms that's unique. Not that one gift is only exclusive to one gender over the other, but the way that we express them. And there are certain gifts that women are the privileged sign of because of our feminine genius. Yes. Thank you. I'm nodding along because all of those things, I remember especially generosity when I would read about generosity through John Paul II and the lens of the feminine genius. There were so many times I would think, but I know men who are so generous, John Paul II being one of them. So that can't just be a virtue that sits in this this pile that only women can strive for. That's not that's not true. I love that that's your take. My take was like, oh, so I'm the one who's supposed to do all the work and lay down my life and men are just supposed to... <laughs> I've got to pull all the generous weight. <laughs> what the heck? Exactly. Yeah, I'm the only one who's supposed to give of myself generously. <laughs> I don't feel like doing that very generously. Yes, yes, yes. I loved when I 
when I opened your book and was reading through the eight gifts that you shared, first seeing you talk about how these are not the only ways to live out the feminine genius. Because I think that you're right when we talk about, well, these are the four, well, these are the eight or whatever number, like you said, that we throw on it. It's in some ways another way of boxing in that feminine genius. Like, well, it looks like this one specific thing. And if you aren't generous, well, which we should all be because we're human, but if you don't strive for that naturally, then sorry, the feminine genius isn't for you. And that's not what Jean-Paul II talked about at all when he talked about this subject. No, no. I think there are things that come naturally to us in general, but the degree to which you're going to identify with different gifts is going to vary because we're all so unique and individual. So I think it's important, yeah, to recognize, like, yeah, sometimes you might be like, I just don't feel like I'm very maternal as a woman. Well, that doesn't mean that God forgot to give you maternity. It doesn't mean you're lacking as a woman. It means that that's something he's inviting you to grow in and to recognize that how do I live my maternal gifts? How do I express my maternity? And it might look a little different. All we have to do is look at the lives of the saints to see this. That's why I love the saints. You're like every single virtue is exemplified in the saints. Like you can go from, huh, you can go from like Therese of Lisieux, the little flower in her cloister saying like, my vocation is to love very, flowery right yep and then you compare that to like someone like a Teresa of Avila who you know was just a go-getter going through Spain figuring out how to found these convents breaking down barriers and walls two very different ways of approaching the feminine genius they're still both living from their gifts but the way that Teresa of Avila was expressing her maternity and the way that Teresa Lisieux was expressing her maternity very differently but the point was that they were expressing it they were still spiritually mothering the world in their way. Yes. I think that is what is also beautiful when we dig into the feminine genius, because I have found this experience of comparison or competition with other women, even with other women striving for holiness and for the Lord. It's so easy to look over and see, well, gosh, she's really got this virtue down and I do not. And in some ways that, you know, that's an encouragement to grow in it, but I don't when I practice that virtue, it doesn't look like what she does. And when we understand the feminine genius as discovering the gifts and talents and charisms that God has uniquely given and gifted us, that's a different conversation than, well, what's the cookie cutter mold that I should try to be cramming myself into? Because that's not what the feminine genius is. And thank God for that. I would love to dive into with you in the time that we have left, just a couple of the gifts that you talk about in your new book that really stuck out to me. And I think they stuck out because they're not the the typical four that we that find their origin story in that early 90s Catholic Answer article. The first one that stuck out to me was you mentioning in your book, this idea of the gift of fidelity, of faithfulness in our devotion to the Lord and to others as women. Tell me about what we can learn from this gift from the women who journey with Christ through his passion and death. And resurrection. Yeah, yeah. So for each each chapter, yeah, I look at a specific gift and then I give an example of a saint or a group of women, some of them are servant of God, who exemplified this gift in a unique way. And I pulled out for fidelity those women at the cross. And I I just I love them so much because their story is critical to our whole faith because they are the ones who stuck by Jesus to the very end. And if it was not for them being by our Lord's side in his passion and in his death and even to his resurrection, right? It was Mary Magdalene first to the grave. We would be missing so many details about what happened on those last days because all of the men were in hiding. Mm -hmm. Like, right, like this is why the women take center stage. The men 
Peter denies Jesus, freaks out, and like he's gone. John's around. We'll give John his credit, right? But other than that, it's women. And that's where the gospel writers had to go to get their information on what happened. They had to go humbly, I'm guessing, probably humbly, <laughs> to these women and be like, so what did we miss? But it's like, that's part of who we are as women is we are faithful. We are faithful. You see this just even statistically for like every five great Catholic women who I know are looking for a spouse, I know like one great Catholic man to like yep. point them to, right? Yep. Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's a part of who we are. And I think God knew that he needed to make us faithful because he knew that as mothers, as wives, as as we've been tasked with, as John Paul II says, the care of the world. Like mm-hmm. JB2 says, women have been, humanity has been entrusted to women in a unique way, not just like through birth, but all of the world, right? Like we are the ones who ultimately like are in charge of caring for the world in its many, many, many facets and capacities. And that requires some fidelity because sometimes you just want to walk away and give up on people. But we have like this extra dose in us that's like, no, 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 I'm going to stay by their side. I'm going to help them through this. I'm going to find what they need. I'm going to push them through. And and what I do in the book is, yes, that's great. But then also sometimes these gifts can get twisted, yes. right? So we look at, okay, so how can this get twisted, right? How can our fidelity get twisted? Sometimes we end up where we stick around too long, where we mm. don't put up boundaries that need to be there yep. because it is so in our nature to be faithful. And so I think we just, yeah, we see from the women at the cross, thank God that they stuck by that that faithful bent that they had, that faithful disposition, because if it was not for them, I don't know. I don't know what we would know. You know, we'd be missing a lot of details. Oh, another gift that struck me when I was reading through your new book is when you talk about the gift of strength. And I love that chapter because I think it's normally a gift that we associate with men. But you point out in the book that women's strength is primarily internal and hidden. What does that strength look like practically? And how can we use an interior strength to grow in our feminine genius as Catholic women today? Yeah, you know, I think fidelity and strength are, are tied together in many, many ways, right? Because it takes a lot of strength to remain faithful. You know, for those women at the cross, I'm sure they would have wanted to run and hide at moments too, right? But their fidelity kept them there and they have the strength to do that. And so I, you know, this idea of, of this interior strength, where I saw it first, um, or where it, I guess it dates back to, I love to, I love to speculate on what John Paul II read, in particular, in The Eternal Woman by Gertrude von Lefort. She is the one who really draws out this idea of this interior strength, and this idea that woman's strength comes from within, not from without. And her book actually came out, if you look at it at the cover, like you think, oh, 1954, but that's when it was translated into English. It actually came out in 1934 in German. And as we know of John Paul II, he was a proficient reader, and we know he read the works of Edith Stein. And I feel like Gertrude is one of those contemporaries. You know, there were all these amazing German philosophers in the 30s and 40s. I don't know like, how that happened. I don't know. But these philosophers of gender, you know, we have Gertrude von Rapport, we have Alice von Hildebrand, who's a little later. And then we have, of course, St. Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. And we know that John Paul II was turning to these women. He knew every language, I feel like, turning to these women for their thoughts and insights. And when you read his works, you see some reflections of the things that they said in his works. And so part of me is like, did you read The Eternal Woman, JP2? But yes, this idea that we have this hidden internal strength that is necessary for those times of trial, right? When the world is falling 
apart, we we like gather this supernatural strength to keep things together. All you have to do is look at, you know, times of crisis, right? Like women just show up. We are there. We're figuring out. We are looking at what needs to be done, how to do it. And we hold on for the sake of our people because we know as moms, I mean, all the time, every day, right? Like you have to use your strength for the sake of your kids. Because yeah. yes. <laughs> sometimes it's like, I just want to go into the bathroom and cry for a little bit yep. right now. Yep. But but you just, you hold on because of love. You hold on because those are your people God has entrusted to you and you have to take care of it. So I think God knew we needed an extra dose of strength. And I think that's true, not just for moms, which that was really a goal of my book was to not just write it for the married life. Of course, I'm going to use those examples because that's what I'm living right now. But as maybe you noticed in the book, this book is written for any woman in any place or stage of life. And I was very intentional about that because these gifts are not just for married life and motherhood. And I feel like that was another thing that the feminine genius kind of like struck a chord with me is it was like, well, until I'm married with kids, none of this applies to me. And, and that was not true. But I think some women feel that way a little bit just in the way we talk about it. So, you know, with strength, if you're a woman, Woman who's working like in your in your job let's say you're a teacher or a nurse like the, these kinds of jobs that women are drawn to not because of gender stereotypes but because of our hearts yeah. right like we want to we want to care we want to be maternal like it's just it's it's in us in, in many many ways we have you know a, a bent to this to some degree or another and that's why i think you see so many women but even women who are in amazing fields doing engineering or doing you know these typical more like masculine type of jobs you still see if if they are attuned to it and if they're aware of it and if they're like receptive to it and aren't ashamed or embarrassed you still see like feminine genius needs to be in every sphere of society. John Paul II talks about that. Like we need women's gifts in all spheres of society. Whatever job you're in, you can be living from these gifts. You can be living that strength in the work world when it's deadline time and everybody's going crazy. And it seems like the whole project's going to fall apart. Like that's when we're in. like, we turn it on and we're like, let's do this. We're going to wrap, I'm holding your hand. We're going to make this happen. Like it's a different way of expressing maternity, but it's no less a way of expressing maternity when you take care of your people and whatever facet that is. Yeah. I think so often in conversations about spiritual maternity for so long, it's gotten kind of the short stick. Here's this consolation prize that because you don't have physical maternity and that could not be further from the truth that our spiritual maternity is the basis from which our physical maternity flows and that all of us are spiritual have a spiritual gift of maternity in some way shape or form and I think your book does a phenomenal job of pointing out the diversity um, in the truest sense of that word of the way that that's lived out in, in daily life we're all spiritual mothers before we become physical mothers it's just a reality Lisa, I could sit and chat with you for two more hours about this, but then I would hate to give away all of this book, which is phenomenal. And I would love for listeners to pick up a copy of your new book, Reveal the Gift, Living the Feminine Genius. Can you tell us where they can find a copy and how they can connect with you online? Yeah, so it's available at ascensionpress.com slash reveal the gift. And of course, it's on Amazon. It's always on Amazon. Yep. But my favorite place is to request it at your favorite local Catholic bookshop, Catholic store. I just, I love supporting our Catholic bookshops. And so, you know, give your, give your place a call and say, Hey, I'd love a copy of this book. Can you order one for me? And they'll bring it in for you. And I just think that we always need to be supporting those businesses, those families, those individuals who put together our stores for us are just such a treasure. And I don't want to see that get eaten up by the bigger companies. So, so that's, that's what I would suggest. Um, and then I'm on Instagram um, here and there at Lisa Ann Cotter and with no E. That's really kind of the place I hang out the most. And I do have a website. It's made to magnify.com. Two is spelled out to you. Uh, but I'm not really putting up 
content on there these days, but you can still go and find some links to some of the projects and things that I've done and worked on. Yeah. I'm around. Lisa, the one question that I have left for you is the question that I ask every woman who comes on Letters to Women, and it's this one. How do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman who's encouraging other women to understand and reveal the gifts of their femininity? You know, I think what it comes down to for me is trying to live out receptivity in the fullest way possible. And we didn't even get into all of this. There's so much that could be said. But really that one of the foundational gifts of who we are, how we are created our feminine nature is our receptivity. And for me, that is the thing I come back to over and over again. And how do I live out my feminine? I receive it. I receive from the Lord. Because I think so many times as women, we're pushed to this idea of we need to grasp at it or we need to like pull up our bootstraps and just choose it. And I, I honestly can't do that all the time. I, I just, I can't just choose joy sometimes. I can't just choose peace. I can't get myself there. But I know that if if I can let the Lord give it to me, if I can receive it, if I can receive his joy, if I can receive his peace, then that's going to allow me to live the, the life that he has called me to. That's going to allow me to be able to live from all the gifts that come from my feminine genius. And so I know that's like a super pie in the sky <laughs> answer, but I guess my challenge would be, and I guess what I challenge myself to often is just to like stop and just receive. Don't try to solve this problem on your own. Don't try to muscle up the strength to not yell in this moment. <laughs> like just take a deep breath and receive the grace. And sometimes it's take a deep breath and pray for the grace to receive the grace. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not, I'm not getting it right now, right? And I think that's just, I don't know. I, I think that's one of the beautiful things is that we are the privileged sign of receptivity. It is more natural for us because it's written on our souls and revealed through our bodies that yeah. we as women are made to receive. And what a gift that is if we utilize it, if we know how to tap into that power um, that comes from the Holy Spirit being able to give to us so we can receive what whatever it is that we need to live that life of peace and joy. That's beautiful. That's such a good reminder. I think I usually default to, I'm just going to white knuckle my way through this and it'll be okay. And just this reminder to stop and receive. That's such an active, I think receptivity is often written off. Oh, that's such a passive way. That's such an active participation in the will of God. Yes, yes, yes. Well, Lisa, thank you for coming on Letters to Women. Thank you for your book. It's beautiful. I, I know I will be returning to it time and time again. I love recommending it as such a good introduction to the feminine genius if someone is just encountering the subject. And thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story. You bet. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. You can check out for the show notes for this conversation with Lisa on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com or scroll down in your podcast player to for links to Lisa's new book, Reveal the Gift and where to find her online. You'll also find a link to the Little Catholic Box. You can sign up for their next box that's going to ship in August and make sure to use that link as a Letters to Women listener so you can get your bonus bundle. If the conversations that you hear on Letters to Women are something that you'd recommend to a friend, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. And if you know a woman who would love this conversation with Lisa, could you click share in your podcast player and send it her way or maybe mention it the next time you have a conversation with her. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes and we're getting ready to dive into this summer mini series on friendship and I want to hear from you. Some of the topics that I'm going to be chatting about with guests in this summer mini series include things like digital friendships, friendship breakups, how to find good friends, and what friendship looks like in hard seasons. So do you have a question about friendship with women that you would like to hear 
a conversation on. You can send your friendship questions to me via email at letters to women at gmail.com or you can send me a message on Instagram at letters to women underscore podcast. At the end of the mini series, I'm going to be drawing a name out of all of those questions submitted and sending one listener a signed copy of my new book, Sisterhood, Giving and Receiving the Gift of Friendship. And that's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.